0: You're hoping to hear the truth, right? Um, If you're a parent and uh, your kids come up crying from the basement um, and you know something went on, um, you want to know the truth. Uh, When a a politician is campaigning and wants your vote, (laughs) you'd like to know the truth. It doesn't happen very often, but uh, you'd like to know the truth. So there are a lot of times and in a lot of instances, I think most of them, where we want to know what the truth is. But there's this old saying that goes like this, that sometimes the truth hurts. (laughs) And so there are other times in our lives, and I think you'll find this to be true as I explain it, where at least for the short term you'd rather not know the truth. For instance, this is why some of you don't go to the doctor very regularly or have your annual physical like you should. It's because in some ways you'd rather just, you know, kind of be ignorant about what's really going on because you really wouldn't, don't want to know the truth sometimes. Um, This is why sometimes at the end of the month when the credit card bill comes in the mail, depending on what mood I'm in, and and most of the time it goes this way, I don't open it right then because I want to have a joyful rest of the evening and not want to know exactly what it cost to to live in the last month. And so I'll put it away because in the short term, I don't want to know the truth. Not wanting to really come face to face with the truth is the reason why some of us have gone through seasons of life where we haven't been close to God. Where we haven't gone to church very regularly, where we haven't prayed very regularly, um, where we haven't read our Bibles very regularly, because for some of us, the reason was is because we knew that there was an attitude, there was a, 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 a thing in our lives that weren't locked up with God. And if we were to go to church, we'd hear the truth and then there'd be this guilt. And so we'd rather surround ourselves with people who kind of have the uh, tell us what we want to hear or have the lifestyle that we'd rather have or whatever it is than to confront the truth. Um, I think in marriages sometimes we don't want to know the truth. And guess what happens? This is why sometimes marriages have really hard to sort of figure out relational problems because in the short term it's easier to just say, "Uh, you know, everything's fine, just smile. And move on and pretend like it's okay than to do the hard work of confronting the truth. But can I ask you if any of these things relate to you? Or others, other examples that you might be thinking of? Let me ask this question. Is there ever a situation where ignoring the truth ends up being a good thing? Is it ever a good thing to ignore the truth with your health? Is it ever a good thing to just ignore the truth, close your eyes, close your ears to what God is saying? Is that ever in the long term good for you? Is it ever a good thing to ignore the truth with your finances or in your marriage relationships or with your parents or whatever it is? And the answer, I think, when phrased that way becomes obvious. It's better to know the truth. It's never good in the long term and even in the short term to just ignore the truth, close our eyes, close our ears, don't tell me I don't want to know. This morning in our message and in this series we're coming face to face with a topic that I think a lot of us would rather not have to think about and sometimes would rather just not have to face whether it's for us or for others around us. And here's the truth Here is the truth that we don't often want to to think about. That every minute we live is one minute closer to the day that we die. That a hundred years from now, there will have been a funeral for every single person in this room. There will have been that funeral service where our family and friends have gathered and we will be the one that they've come to remember. Here's the truth that we don't always like to face or think about. We're all going to die unless Jesus comes back first. Now, I understand why we don't always want to to face the truth. We don't always want to think about it. And some of you know people who have a loved one who's passed away and they don't want to talk about it, they just want to ignore it. Maybe this is you. Don't want to think about it, don't want to talk about it, let's just move on. I'm telling you, this is not in the long term, it's not good. When people ignore the truth of death, it brings sadness, it, it brings confusion, and it really just becomes this thing that there's a lot of fear around. So I've instructed the ushers, they've already padlocked the doors, you can't leave. I know you don't want to face it, but today, whether you want to or not, I know God knows what's best for us, is to spend some time facing that which we don't want to face sometimes and to spend some time thinking about that topic, that thing that is true and going to be true for all of us, death. So first point, fill in. Thank you, Julia. It's good to face the truth about death. Uh-oh know what you're doing back there Julia to get that back up there you go all right it's good to face the truth about death and and the reason is is that when we do I guarantee you you're going to leave here with more peace more joy more confidence around this topic that sometimes we'd rather avoid so about 2,000 years ago, there was a group of Christians in, who lived in the, in the country that today we call Greece. Okay, And they had questions about death, but instead of trying to ignore it, they wanted to face it. They wanted answers to their questions about death. And if I could sort of crystallize what their question was, it was this. So we understand what's going to happen to people who are alive when Jesus returns on the last day. They're going to be brought with Jesus into heaven. But for them, the question was, what about the people who die before Jesus returns? What happens to them? And in response to that, the, the founding pastor of their church, his name was Paul, he heard their question and he wrote to them this these beautiful verses that I think, really crystallize the whole picture of what happens when a person dies, and is going to be a great comfort for us today. So we turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we read Paul's answer to this congregation who had questions about death, and he starts out, Brothers, Christians, we don't want you to be ignorant or not knowing about those who fall asleep. So here, Paul is referring to death as falling asleep. Let me ask, what falls asleep when someone dies? Well, to help us better understand this, um, in the Old Testament, Solomon writes... Um, about this topic, and it really, we see the same truth throughout the entire Bible, which is no surprise. But listen to what Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. He writes, at death, the dust, they're a reference to your body because it will decay, right? The dust, your body, returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit, small s, referencing the soul, returns to God who gave it. So what Solomon writes is this biblical truth we find throughout all of Scripture that there are two parts that make up who you are. There's the material side of us, which has green eyes and brown hair and just about six foot, you know, I just put it down anyways because that sounds better than five eleven and a half, and a half, right? Six foot, whatever. That's your material side. People see it. And then there's this immaterial side of you, called your soul or your spirit and it is no less who you are than your body it is just as much who you are as your body so there's this material side your body there's this immaterial side your soul and you know when death happens scripturally doctors can't use this because they can't see it so in the medical field we talk about the heart stops beating and we talk about the brain activity stopping Death really happens when God decides that the soul, the immaterial, leaves the body, the material. And when Paul writes that at death something sleeps, what sleeps? It's not the body and the soul. What sleeps is the body. What sleeps is that which you still see here on earth. But the soul, in that very moment, it continues. Um, if I could explain this, because I, I think this is huge, and, and kids, too, um, this is a, an example that you're going to be able to relate to, and you might have some fear at times around death, and I just want to really explain it for you as well so that you can understand exactly what happens. But I'll guarantee you, even though I'm talking to you kids, your, your parents have the same fear sometimes that you have. So, here, let me, so if you think about this room as being earth, and our earthly life, okay? If you think about the room behind that wall as being eternal life or heaven, what happens when a person dies is that you continue to see their body. You continue to see that body, which then gets buried oftentimes at a cemetery. But what happens for that person, and someday when you will die and when I will die, is as if existence never stopped. What happens in that moment is not like black for years and years until Judgment Day. In that very moment, what happens is that it is as if you, think if I'm the dead person, the person who just died, it's as if at the moment of death, I went from this room into another room. And I can't see you anymore. I can't interact with you. But let me tell you, it's a whole lot better back here I mean, there's a couch back here and a fridge. I got everything I need back here. But that's, that's really what happens from life to death. For the person who dies, it's not scary. You just go from one room into another. The bad part is I can't talk to you anymore. But you're just moving to a new existence that just continues. So point number two, at death, you will leave your body and go and stand Before God. Let's continue um, in verse 13. Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. The body falls asleep, the soul continues, or to grieve like the rest of the world or the rest of people who have. No hope. Now, I want you to to recognize something here because I think there's this misunderstanding in the Christian circles about death sometimes. And that is that if you're a Christian and you have the joy of heaven, that you shouldn't be sad at death. That you should put on a happy face, no tears, and that it's almost unchristian to grieve. (laughs) Notice what Paul writes. He doesn't say don't grieve. He writes, don't grieve like how everyone else grieves. Don't grieve like the rest of the world that doesn't understand the hope that you have. But grieving at death is still going to happen. You know why that is? Because unlike what the world says, death is not a natural part of the life cycle, circle of life, Lion King, all that stuff, nah. (laughs) Death is as unnatural As it can be, as there could be. Because when God created Adam and Eve, he created them in perfection to live forever. And then what happened, I think most of you know, but death came because they sinned. They disobeyed God's one law for them, and they ate from that tree, and the death then came. Why? Not as a part of the life cycle. It came as a punishment. It came as something that God intended to hurt, to hurt hearts, to be a punishment for sin. And so that is why when death happens, you're sad. You're supposed to be sad. That's why when my grandma Zastro died, she endured a whole lot of pain. Because death brings pain. We live in a a world today where we can sort of mute a lot of that through drugs, and that's a blessing. But death can hurt, and you maybe have seen loved ones, and you've wondered, why God, why God? It's not God. It's sin. That death was a punishment, That's, that's why... It takes years sometimes to sort of start new after someone you really love has gone to heaven. And yes, you know they're in heaven, but there's just all these triggers that bring those memories back, and it hurts your heart, you know, to sleep, in a, sleep by yourself for the first time in 20 years, 40 years, 50 years, if you've lost a, a spouse, to, to go into a home And to be constantly reminded through the silence of the voice that isn't there. The triggers, like the patio where you used to have a cup of coffee in the morning, or the restaurant that you used to go to, or the playground where grandma used to take you, and all of these things, right, that bring up these feelings of thankfulness for that person, but also some sadness. And even Jesus when his good friend Lazarus died. He knew he'd be raising him from the dead. And yet, death caused him to cry. As a Christian, don't ever feel like you're less than a Christian if you have grief at time of death. Death was meant to cause tears. Death, as we'll see in our next point here, brings grief because it's a punishment for sin. I wanted to go back to this verse for just a moment. Notice, he says, Don't grieve like the rest of people who have no hope. So there is a different way to grieve. There is a hope. If there's some people who have no hope, there's a hope for others. Keep going to verse 14. Here's the hope. Because what we believe, what is true, is that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe, here's the hope, the sure hope, that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So when we die, in a sense, we're judged, all right? Our judgment day, if we die before Jesus comes, is at our death, not on judgment day. That's just kind of a re-announcing of the judgment that already happened, okay? And when we die, we can stand before God, and I suppose there's one way to stand before God, which would be, hey, Lord, look at the things that I've done. It's that tally sheet we looked at last week. Look at how I went to church regularly. I even was on church council for a while. Two terms, even. Look at, Lord, how I volunteered. Look, Lord, how at family reunions, everyone else gossiped. And I was like the guy, the the gal, who got along with everyone. I forgive easier than most. I don't use bad language most of the time. Most of the time. And God says, if you want to be judged... On what you do, then you need to be judged on everything you do. And for most of us, when we're judged on everything we do, the bad oftentimes outweigh the good, huh? And even if it doesn't, if there's any bad at all, if there's any sin at all, only perfect people get into heaven. And so you and I we could, the, many of the world do this. People tend to fall asleep, that is, die, in their good works. Feeling confident, in I was a pretty good person. But Paul writes that the way that we have hope, the way that we can find comfort, is when we fall asleep, not in our good works, but when we fall asleep in Him. What that means is that when we fall asleep, our confidence, our hope, our heart, our focus is on what Jesus has done. I I love the words of that uh, familiar um, old hymn, Nothing in my hand I bring, right? Simply to my works, no, simply to your cross do I cling. Yeah, I may not be the perfect son to my parents, but Jesus was. And I don't always say the right thing. Sometimes I I try to be humorous, and it hurts people's feelings. But Jesus always said the right things. We think badly of people. We don't forgive like we should. We're selfish. We're materialistic. And Jesus, he wasn't any of those things. I deserve to be punished forever, but instead, Jesus took our punishment for us. He was that perfect substitute. And so when we fall asleep, when your loved one falls asleep in him, this is why if you have a loved one who's near death, the best thing you could do, do not avoid it, is to talk to them about Jesus. If you love them, you will. Even if they already know him, that is how they need to fall asleep. Is in Jesus in him and when you bring Jesus into the picture even though death was a punishment look at how God's feeling of death changes look at Psalm 116 I love this verse precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints you understand how weird that is because God sent death as a punishment, and yet, because of Jesus, he looks at the death of a saint, that is, someone who fell asleep in Jesus, a believer, and he looks at that as a precious thing. You know why? Here's what, I'll paraphrase what God is thinking. (laughs) I know that death is difficult, I know that death is a consequence of sin, but, but when someone dies with faith in Jesus, that's an awesome thing to me. I love it when a saint dies because they have gone to be with me. To be with me forever and to receive the blessings of, of, that I have in store for them. And so when this big subject that we don't like to face we don't like to think about, we don't want to get to at times, when we understand what it means to fall asleep in him, it it, it changes not just God's perspective, but it needs to change ours too. Listen to how Paul writes his perspective here. Paul writes, we're confident about eternity, I say, and I would prefer to die. I would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Have you felt that way? Here's how we feel. Oh, you know, Lord, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, but I, I, can I stay here a little while longer? I'd really like to get to Hawaii sometime, or I'd really like to have kids, or I'd like to get married, or, you know, and then, then call me home. We always have these things i like to see my grandchildren. i like to see my great-grandchildren. I'd like to see my great-great-grandchildren. You know what? Heaven beats all of it. <laughs> and yes, there's responsibilities. And when you have small kids, I understand that aspect of wanting to be here so that they have their mom and their dad and all that kind of... I, I get it. But we need to have more of this attitude. That heaven is where we're destined for, where we're meant for. We're just waiting around doing God's work. We'll talk more about that next week. But that heaven is our eternal destination and we look forward to it. And so in that sense, guess what? Here's our next point. A Christian, this is weird. You want to be labeled weird? A Christian can look forward to death. And maybe I could have been more specific here. A Christian should look forward to death because of what that means. So the body sleeps the soul goes to heaven but that body the essence of a sleep is that it it doesn't stay dormant forever it doesn't sleep forever so paul continues in our section according to the lord's own word we tell you that we who are still alive when judgment day comes at the end who are left till the coming of the lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Let me paraphrase that for you. If you're alive when Jesus returns, you don't have a better situation than those who died before you. That's what the word all wrapped up in precede. It's not better for those who are alive than for those who have already died. For the Lord on the last day, here's why, will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first last week we unpacked in our sermon what's gonna happen on judgment day if you weren't here last week I'd really encourage you to go on our website and listen to that to get that fuller picture but one of the other things that's gonna happen on that day that we didn't talk about last week is that the cemeteries are gonna be filled with people that graves are gonna open and that bodies are going to rise. And I don't want you to think Michael Jackson's thriller, you know, music video, ghouls and God. I'm not going to dance, but this is kind of how their hands are in that video, right? It's not that. It's not zombies. It's not ghouls. It's, it's perfected bodies. It's souls that have gone to be with the Lord without their body. Now on the last day, Having their final existence where perfect body, no arthritis, no knee replacements, no back problems, no cancer, no tears, no battles with sin anymore, no relatives that cause us stress. You don't cause your relatives stress anymore. (laughs) Together, body and soul, to live forever. One of the things that happens in my family sometimes, uh, and this happened when I was a kid too, so I'm assuming this happens in lots of families, but when you're traveling at night, and, and when I was a kid, I remember... When getting home, um, at times, either being asleep or faking that I was asleep, because when that happened, then dad would come, you know, I was, I was very young at this time, um, dad would come and pick you up and put you into bed, and our kids don't tend to fall asleep, uh, but they certainly fake it, and you know, I don't think you're sleeping, and then there's a smile. Addie has a really hard time keeping a straight face, faking sleeping. But if you were asleep, remember what that kind of was like where the last thing you remember was being in the car and that cranks you know all, however you sleep in a car and you wake up and you're in your warm cozy bed right And it's like an instant it's gonna it's what's gonna be like when we first go from this life to that one and then Whenever that last day is, when we go from there to here, back with our bodies, next not cranked anymore, in a wonderful new environment that we'll be able to enjoy forever. And that's not all on the last day. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them, who's them with those who are alive, with all the other people who have died or fallen asleep in Jesus, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Um, We only get to see my parents about once a year or so, and there's this anticipation around seeing them because it's been so long. Some of you have been without your spouse for more than 10 years. Some of you have been without your parents for 20-30 years. Some of you have been without a dear grandmother or father for 50 years. Imagine what that day will be like. Reunions with people you love are something you can't wait for. And it gets better. It's also a first-time reunion in the flesh with our Savior. The hand stretched out for you, now embracing you, the arms that suffered punishment for you, now holding you. And so the last day, a Christian can look forward to death, and the last day, last point, the last day will be a joyful day of reunions. And so, sometimes we'd rather not face the truth, but I guarantee you in any area of your life, in the long term, it'll be better to hear and face the truth. I don't think for a Christian there is any topic that is more true for than death. That yes, it isn't easy, that there is grief accompanying death, but a Christian can look forward to it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, We thank you for your word that encourages and strengthens us and teaches us. And today, Lord, I pray that through the Holy Spirit that that happened. Thank you for reminding us of the joy that awaits us as we fall asleep in you someday. And in the meantime, help us to not only be ready ourselves for that day in our faith, but also to share that message with others around us. Lord, we also come with a prayer of thanks at the healthy birth of Wyatt Waltman. We uh, thank you um, for his life and, and also look forward to that day in the next week or so where he's baptized. Continue to be with Jen and Jade as they um, are Christian parents to their children and guide and bless them and their family. In Jesus' name we pray.